This is Women's Tech Radio, Episode 10. Women's Tech Radio is a show on the Jupiter Broadcasting Network interviewing interesting women in technology, exploring their roles and how they are successful in technology careers. So Angela, today I'd like to know how you're currently listening to music. Okay, so I have an iPhone, so I listen to music typically on that. In my car, I have an audio jack, which sounds really outdated, <laughs> to be honest. But I'm totally jealous. I don't have one. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it's still it works out really well. I have a kid's uh, playlist so that the kids can listen to, you know, the Muffin Man <laughs> in the car or Frozen. Um, but I also listen to my own music. And currently, my favorite artist, I just got the album, is Peter Jennison. And it's just instrumental. And the song that I really like is War. And Ooh. I think the album is called Coming Home or something. But anyway, it's a great album. It's great for easy listening. I listen to it while I'm soaking or I listen to it right before bed. Very, very relaxing. What? How do you listen to your music right very now? Cool. I'm kind of lazy. So um, I usually listen to a lot of Pandora because it kind of just give it a seed and like groom it. Or I'll follow some of my friends on Spotify. And they're always like, why don't you make playlists? And I'm like, I'm super lazy. That's why. But I listen to a lot of Spotify streaming. If I'm working, though, it's got to be like no words like or something I know super, super well. Right. Yeah. So a lot of like techno. I'm totally like, yeah, you know, late 90s house techno is my my jam. <laughs> um, nice. But right now I'm also super into a new artist who is actually in the Big Hero 6 trailer. Mm. They did this song on top of the world um, and it's by Greek Fire. and It's totally my jam lately. I haven't heard that, but I will check it out for sure. Very cool. All right, today we li- we interviewed Alice Goldfuss, and she is a site reliability engineer with a film degree, and she currently works at New Relic. Yeah, Alice is totally self-taught, and she shares her journey about how she got from film all the way into a job at a startup through tech support and just kind of finding her love of technology there. Speaking of self-taught, you can self-teach yourself over at linuxacademy.com forward slash WTR. They actually make it really easy. There's a dashboard and they even have a learning plan where you can tell it your availability for the week and it'll help you schedule the different courses that you want to do and test um, tests and coursework available. It also, you have your own server that you can spin up and there are seven Linux distributions available and you can keep track of your progress. And it's just a monthly fee for just pretty much unlimited content as, as fast as you can consume it. So if you use linuxacademy.com forward slash WTR, you can save $5 a month, which makes the total service cost you $20 a month. And our first question that we asked for Alice was about her Twitter profile, in which she lists herself as the disgruntled Spock of our age. That was actually a quote from a friend and coworker who described me as a disgruntled Spock of our age because I, I, I recall it being a joke regarding uh, some sort of emotional response and me not knowing what to do with it and him being like, hmm, it's fine. I understand you're the disgruntled Spock of our age. I also use it as a Twitter description because I see a lot of people describing themselves on Twitter in relation to their jobs and their hobbies as opposed to just, I feel like them as people you go to a lot of Twitter accounts and you'll see like, you know, I work at this company, I'm a husband, I'm a Rubyist, and that sort of a thing. And uh, I might get more followers if people knew I directly work with tech and what I do there, or that I'm a writer or some things, but I'd rather just have a, a random profile that might describe me kind of as a person. And if people like that personality, they can follow based on that. Yeah, I've always been a little bit thrown off by the question, what do you do as the first question that we ask mm-hmm. people instead yeah. of who are you? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, you know, I'm from the, the Northeast, New York, and that is how you introduce people there is like, oh, this is this is so and so. And what do you do? It's it's very much in reference to what do you do to make money? What what worth are you to the economy? How can I use you to get ahead? Yeah. So I understand that culture because I'm from that culture. I'm from the Boston area. So that's probably where that comes from for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you work for New Relic. Can you mm-hmm. describe your position there? Sure. Uh, Just to give some background on New Relic for any listeners who might not know, we are a software analytics company that started out doing application performance management. And the elevator pitch on that is application performance management shows you where the bottlenecks in your applications are. We give you an agent, you put it on your web app, and then you can see, for example, what pages are loading slow so you can correct your code. And now we do software analytics, so any sort of data that you are able to send us using our API we can store and allow you to analyze and query. <clears throat> and my job at New Relic is I'm a site reliability engineer, which means I work on our site engineering team and I help maintain the infrastructure and availability of our products for our users. Would you consider yourself front end or back end or full stack or? Um, I mean, my job right now is back end, definitely, but I have slowly made my way up the stack. Like I was previously a software engineer doing web development. I've also worked in tech support. So I, ha- I have a pretty good idea of how things fit together, but I prefer the back end. I-, I like working with servers. I think that's interesting to think of. You started at front end and ended up at back end and that's going up the stack. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I, it doesn't make sense to me either, but that's how it's described. But the back end is like the, the crucial and important side, you know, so it, it makes sense in terms of importance, you can't have a front end unless you have a good back end. That's true. Yeah. Right? I guess I guess if you're thinking about it that way, like the order of importance sort of a thing, it's it's on top. But I always think of it as more like the foundations of a house. And so like how did you get where you are? Are you, are you a typical like I did a CS degree or what what's your journey look like? Yeah, I am what is called self-taught, which apparently just means I didn't pay anyone to get where I am. Uh, So I do not have a CS degree. I actually graduated in film, uh, which I use every time I take a selfie. I just put that degree (laughs) to such good use. And, um, ah, the glares. Got it, finally. Thank God I have that BFA. Um, So I started out in tech support and moved into software engineering. And now I'm working with the servers, as I said. And a lot of that was using online resources and mentors and going to meetups and just doing a lot of self-study and just learning on the job as I went. Did you find that that like, created a lot of roadblocks for you because you didn't have the degree, especially like jumping in at a, a big startup? I was really worried that it would. I, When I interviewed at New Relic, I thought that the fact that I didn't have a CS degree would really work against me. But in fact, I wouldn't say it it helped me that I didn't have a degree, but it wasn't an issue because um, especially it seems on West Coast startup culture from what I've seen, a lot of people like that scrappiness and they can say, oh, you know, you went to you went to Harvard or Cornell, you did everything you were supposed to do, and now you have a job as a software engineer. And so you, you can do what's expected of you if you have the book sort of a thing. But if they see someone that kind of pulled themselves up, they know, hey, this person, if I give them an issue, they can think about it critically and teach themselves and come out on top and find the correct resources. And I feel like that that's much more valued uh, with the culture and the companies that I have seen and interacted with. So when did you get started in technology? Was that right out of high school? Did you start in high school? Was it just, um, well, was it a hobby I had, first? 
Yeah, it was more of a hobby first. I had a that kind of backwards thing. I feel like I see a lot of people who were technical for most of their lives and have CS degrees, and then they realize like, oh, what I really want to do is paint pictures of sad children. <laughs> and, <laughs> big eyes, right? <laughs> yeah, it's big eyes. And uh, I'm sort of the opposite, where technology was always in the background. My father worked at IBM. We had computers in the house before many people. Uh, but it was just, I never really thought I could make a living at it, or I didn't find it interesting. It was just something that was there. Uh, so I went to school for film, and then when I graduated, I got a tech support job to help pay my student loans while I continued to work in advertising. And then that just turned into me going like, well, this is actually fun. I'm going to teach myself programming and go from there. And what, was there a particular resource or online Sure, yeah, I've used tons of resources. I'd say the one, I, I started out with, uh, I think it's uh, Learn to Program 101 or Programming 101. It's by Chris Pine, and you start out with Ruby. It's actually really interesting because I work with Chris Pine now at New Relic, and he's a really nice guy. Uh, so I started out with that, but I'd say the biggest impact was a Coursera. It's Coursera.org. They offer free college-level classes taught by college professors. And you can even earn certificates of completion to show people. And I took one through Rice University called Intro to Programming, where they taught you programming basics using Python. And you made little games to understand the concept. So you start out with a text like rock, paper, scissors idea. And by the end of it, you were making an interactive version of asteroids. Mm -hmm. And that was very helpful. That's the closest I've had to any formal education, even though it was free. I did classwork. I did homework. That was stuff I worked on for, I think, 10 weeks. And from there, that helped me uh, go into my tech support job at New Relic. And from there, let's see, I, I, I used a online Juniper course to learn networking. And that was helpful with my current job. Um, <clears throat> there's books out there like Linux server hacks or just learning Python in general. Um, and things like R Linux on Reddit. Just, mm -hmm. yep. Otherwise, I'd say going on Twitter and going to meetups because you can teach yourself. There's online resources, but you can't teach yourself if you don't know what's out there. So going on a Twitter and going to meetups and hearing what people are talking about, I can make notes and then look them up later and see what there is to learn. Mm -hmm. So it was just a hodgepodge of that. And so having this film degree and taking selfies, do you mm -hmm. have Instagram? <laughs> I don't have Instagram. I feel like I should. I mean, the PDX carpet at the airport has Instagram, so I am behind the times. Okay. Well, like, if, ah. if you get one, you have to let me know because I, 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 I really enjoy taking pictures. I don't have a film degree, but I really like taking pictures, and I'd love to follow more people that that know how to take pictures. All you're gonna get are pictures of like a mold colony in my fridge where I name it, and I'm just like, oh, look how Jeffrey's doing today. Let's. That's what it's going to be. I would follow Jeffrey the Mold Colony. Yeah. And your spiders. Mm -mm. Oh, yes, my spiders. I have spiders in the windows of my apartment. They're on the outside. Um, there's Stacy is the smallest, and Kimberly is the largest, and then Tiffany's in between, although Tiffany was absent this morning, so I'm a little worried. And they're just these, like, large... On the East Coast, they'd be, like, orb spiders, but these are orange, and they've got big Ew. butts. Yeah, yeah, but they cool. just hang out. Outside, and they're like large, they're like the size of a quarter. And I'm like, hey, girls, what's going on? You look cold. That's interesting. I'm going to eat my cereal. 
I wonder if there's some sort of spider feeder. You can get like a bird feeder, but oh, you just attract them to me like one of those yeah, giant, um, horrible, pulsating colonies. Why would you do that? Just don't do that. No, <laughs> just say no. Closed. I know, it's, but like, I wouldn't want to I gotta attract open more. I got to in the summer, and that's when I that's when I reap what I've sown. Uh, but, um, true. <laughs> wow. That's great. Yeah, but actually the book that you uh, mentioned, Learn to Pine by Chris Pine, Learn to Program by Chris Pine, was mm-hmm. the book that really kicked me over the edge with my self-learning too. Like yes. it, it actually solidified. I was like, oh, I kind of get what questions to ask now so I can learn other things. So yeah. next time you see him, thank him for Paige. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I'll do that. I'll be like, Paige says thanks. And he'll be like, I told you we have a court order. And I'll be like, hey. <laughs> So what do you do in your free time besides at New Relic? Are you um, are you super geeky in your free time as well? Um, I am super geeky in the fact that I get into arguments about like Star Wars and Star Trek. Uh, in my free time, I'm also a writer. I write horror stories. And so I enjoy doing that. And I like watching horror movies. And uh, what's really fun is me and my best friend, we watch, we make kind of her boyfriend play games while we watch. And that is a lot of fun because like in a horror movie, you're watching terrible things happen to stupid people. But if you're watching someone play a horror game where they're actually listening to you, like don't go into that room, wait until the monsters pass, and then you die anyway, it's so much more traumatic. (laughs) Um, You feel like you had a stake in it. Like, oh, I died because I was an idiot. That's on me. I would not survive if this was real. Um, Plus just making him get frustrated with terrible graphics is a good time. (laughs) <laughs> That's a good stress release. So what is your, uh, what is the uh, worst as in um, best horror movie you've seen? Like the most disturbing one that you probably won't watch again. Oh man, that is tough. Ones that I won't watch again. Usually when I see advertisements for a movie, I can be like, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to see that like audition. I don't know if I want to watch audition. Um, mm. <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, it's, it's like a Japanese horror film that does a lot of body horror, and it's about a woman that just like tortures this guy for the entire film. Oh. And yeah, it's you know it's interesting, and they do an interesting uh, lead-in to the torture. You don't you don't see it coming, but I prefer more of like the the thrillers that get you on edge, that make you look at the shadows all the time and freak out about things that aren't even there. So I find that usually with horror movies, when they reveal the monster, you're like, well, this is sad yeah so, yeah i do like I a good look. creature feature though so who do who are you interested in like who do you follow in technology well let's see uh, i think people who retweet a lot of things i'm interested in include kenneth love over at treehouse and i follow i'm trying to think of like the movers and shakers that i usually find interesting uh forrest norville over at npm um i like pie ladies rachel kelly who's one of the organizers for PDX PyLadies. I really enjoy her conversations. Oh, and a big one is the editor and owner of Model View Culture. And I, I don't know if her name is pronounced Shanley or Shanley, but uh, she has a lot of interesting things to say about tech culture and uh, like classism and sexism and things like that. And I want to recommend her publication, Model View Culture. It's available online for free, or you can get you can buy a print quarterly. Uh, it's it's a really interesting enterprise. So you mentioned a bunch of people, and you said that they're kind of follow or they're tweeting or whatever on I- issues that you're into. What are you into? 
Um, I mean, I like finding out about new technologies, but I'm also really passionate about just women in technology, uh, LGBT issues. Like, I think it was Kenneth Love retweeted that in the original Alien movie, there's actually a trans character that you only, you only briefly find out about if you're looking at the personnel files that come up in the second Alien movie. So I just find things like that interesting. Uh, representation in media, um, <clears throat> the, the, the broken, the leaky pipeline. People talk about, you know, oh, we're, we're trying to educate girls and get them interested in tech, but then we also have to consider how we are hanging on to the women who are already in tech. I like discussing those issues. How do, how do you find it working uh, as a woman in tech, especially at a kind of a hot, hot startup right now? Like, is it something where you feel valued because you do bring diversity and interesting opinions or... Yeah, I actually feel great at New Relic. I have had my fair share of sexism and obstacles in previous uh, employments, but New Relic has been fantastic. They really try to make everything very comfortable and diverse. I remember when I first joined, I've been here for like a year and a half now, which actually makes me on the old timer side of things. But <clears throat> within my first week or two, there was a meeting where the head of HR and the actual president of the company invited all the women in the Portland office into a meeting to discuss how comfortable we felt there and what we would like to see change. And at the time, the women in our office could fit into like our large conference room very comfortably. It would be, I mean, we were also a smaller company, but you know, proportionally, those things were some, there were some off things. Do you, do you think like what, what percentage was women back then? Like roughly? I honestly don't know. I think we've kept it pretty, consistent. There was a spreadsheet. There was a woman doing uh, a spreadsheet through GitHub that generated an Excel spreadsheet where startups could offer their percentages of women. And we were up there, I think, in like the 20% as of like a year ago, um, which I mean, plenty of room for improvement, but we were actually pretty high up when it came to similar startups with our amount of people. Yeah. Sadly, but, uh, 20% is high. Yeah. yeah. But like a year and a half ago, they asked us what things were important to us. And we didn't have a lot of female engineers. Uh, we didn't have any female executives. We wanted more, uh, d you know, diverse hirings and we wanted women's t-shirts. Um, <laughs> that was like a big thing. And I have seen all of those things come true. We have at least two female executives now. We have tons of female engineers and female engineering managers. Um, we have female uh, size t-shirts and New Relic really tries to reach out uh, and, and increase their diverse hiring. Like we were a big sponsor and recruiter through Hackbright, which is um, a boot camp down in San Francisco for women, stuff like that. So I really feel like my voice was heard and I feel very comfortable in this office and in this culture. Do you think that you would have had that sort of comfort if it wasn't for the intentional movement of the company? Like, do you think it's something that like the intentional movement was key? I mean, the intentional movement was nice because we asked for things and we saw them happen. But even if that hadn't happened, people are very understanding of things. Like I remember there was a movement just amongst employees to phase out the phrase guys. Like, hey guys, can we do this? Because there were people who were silently having issues with that, you know? Um, so we, 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 we picked different things to call people. Some people called them nerds. I I call them friends. So I'm sending out an email to people. I say, hi, friends, instead of, hey, guys. I'm from New York, so I want to say, hey, guys, all the time. But I and other people are very specifically altering our language and just little things like that all over the place to make sure people feel accommodated. Um, that is we great. Have, yeah, it's great. We, we have chat rooms 
that are private and like just for women or people who identify as women to talk to in like a safe space. Uh, we have lots of meetups. We have a, an open knitting lunch. I mean, of course, men are invited, but knitting was something that a lot of the female engineers here kind of bonded over. So we just have a very public knitting lunch where people sit around and knit every week. And that is very accepting and I feel like very visible. I always kind of like to know um, one more thing. What, what gets you fired up of what's coming next? Like what about technology as you like eyes on the future? Like what, what sparks your passion? Well, being in ops, uh, we like things that are, you know, like stable and safe. Like I have to say, I just got an iPhone 5S. Um, I had a four for years. It no longer knew what contacts were and the screen broke and I got little shards of glass whenever I tried to text. So I finally upgraded to a 5S. So that to me is like breaking edge. Um, I mean, I've been, I've been checking out like systemd and spawn to try, like, not as a Docker replacement, but to see how they're doing things that Docker possibly isn't, just to manage Linux containers without Docker. I know that's been around something for a while, systemd is nothing too new, but it's new to me. Um, I'm also looking at uh, Opsmatic, just because that looks kind of cool. They're a small startup in San Francisco, and I like where they're headed with things. I've personally been learning Puppet better, and uh, so, I mean, I'm not really looking at anything too bleeding edge, but it's more new to me and just uh, seeing how I can better control my servers and my environment. I think in any other industry, any sort of containerware would be like cutting edge. So I think you're good there. Oh, okay, good. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Alice. This has been fantastic. This has been another episode of Women's Tech Radio. If you'd like to find more information about how to follow our guests or any of the resources she might have mentioned, please check the show notes. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes or the RSS feed, which will be in the show notes, or check us out at various places, including... You can find us on Twitter, at HeyWTR, and also we recently started a new Tumblr, and it's heywtr.tumblr.com. And the really cool thing is that there you will find a complete transcript of the shows. So you can, if you'd rather read the show than listen to it, it is all right there. You can also use the contact form by going over to jupiterbroadcasting.com and clicking on contact. Drop down the show to Women's Tech Radio, and that will get us as well. Or you can shoot us an email at wtr at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Thanks for listening.